Welcome to Cowl Fans, a popped off podcast, the casual fans home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from the Tampa area. I'm Alurumor. I'm Haller. And we're live and recording for the second time ever, which has been fun. <laughs> um, so for all of those watching us live on Facebook, which is none right now, we appreciate you. And for those of you who are watching us via, who are listening to us via a podcasting platform, you are the bulk of our audience and we love you the most. <laughs> Take that Facebook. Take that Facebook. Also, YouTube people are cool too, but I didn't forget about you. There's like six, maybe like six YouTube people a week, something like that right now. It's not very many, but it's okay because we did this for fun and it's still fun. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, we're glad that we could be of assistance to all of you other casual fans. Not Haller. He's not a casual fan. Well, except except these past two weeks, um, I think have been the most casual of casual fans because I believe probably both of us have been um, <laughs> playing too much Final Fantasy VII and not watching a lot of Owl. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We could, uh, we, today is the Final Fantasy VII Remake podcast. Sorry, people who came in for Overwatch League. <laughs> let us, let us discuss everything in the remake. I beat it last night, by the way. Oh, nuts. I'm not done. Yeah, I'm not running on a lot of sleep, but that's okay. Oh, I... The important thing is that the game has been beat. I'm in the middle of the Hojo's lab fight. Uh... Um, I just... I beat the monster with the little doodads, and now I'm fighting the uh, armored security guards. So. Gotcha. That's the end of Final Fantasy spoilers in our, in our podcast. All of those, all of those fights are in the original. I have done yeah, no spoils. But a lot of people haven't haven't played the original, myself but, included. You know. But a like, lot of people have the played time. the original. That's also true. <laughs> but what? Do you expect a casual Overwatch fan to play a 200-hour RPG? Considering that I'm a casual fan, <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. And it's Think an amazing youth. experience. Think of the youth, Aaron. Uh, youth of today. <laughs> there go all our viewers. Bye-bye. Hey, so. So, Overwatch. Overwatch. What a week. What a two weeks, because we didn't even record last yeah. week, because slacking. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Well, you know what? Last week, the Mayhem didn't play, so we didn't have to. Yeah, kind of felt justified in that, right? Right. There's some going on, but no Mayhem, no no hometown, boys. Hometown, as much hometown as you can have on the internet. But if we had have talked about them... I would have said, you know, oh, we're playing the Paris Eternal, so just, there's really not a lot to discuss here. GG's, boys, game over. All right. Yeah, you uh, said that pretty week. clearly in your predictions. Yep. Which were wrong. Which are super wrong. So wrong. So Mayhem takes Paris, takes, take not the map Paris, Mayhem takes a W against Paris in a convincing 3-0. It was... Probably the most dominant series this weekend. Maybe Shanghai versus Guangzhou. But I even then, I feel this was just 
as one-sided as one-sided could be. Um, Florida dominated, and which was shocking. They did. Um, and even in mirror matchups, they didn't pull out unique special yeah. strats to like be yeah, a dark so at horse. At first, it felt like that maybe just Paris had a bad read on the meta, right? They came out running a lot more Doomfist than May. Um, and it felt like, okay... Maybe Florida's just beating them because they have the superior comp, right? Think back to LA Valley versus San Francisco Shock. Right. Um, when they first beat them. Um, but then they started doing the mirror matchup, and we know it's not like we haven't seen proficiency in these different areas from the Paris Eternal, right? Like, we know they have a good double shield. We know they have a good May. Like, yes, they're missing XE, but... Xe generally wouldn't be who you're expecting to see played when Tracer and Reaper are like your main hit scans. Right. So it made sense to have Soonin. Lucio wasn't banned. We had FD God doing his thing. Like, yeah. Everything felt like Paris should be able to play this cop, but Florida were just making fools of them. And that's really all there is to it. Florida came out and beat Paris. Florida did better than Paris in yeah. the same things that Paris was doing. And Paris really didn't stand a chance. They, they really didn't. Um, as much as I hate it, you have to take this match with a little bit of a grain of salt. Because if you remember back, like, uh, I think it was the last homestand week, um, Paris also got 3 0'd convincingly by the houston outlaws it's true right um and then the very next day took the philadelphia fusion to map five yeah so this is definitely a good step forward for florida and we looked really really clean um and if you remember that houston matchup it did happen to be a weird weekend where all the stars aligned for houston um i feel like that's you know, the skills that Houston displayed against Paris when they dominated them were very niche, right? They just kind of did their own thing. They did, like, Sombra, Doomfist. Like, they just had everybody on their best heroes that just were were able to do it. Right. Versus Florida, who was playing the meta and playing great with, with, with amazing synergy. Um, and a lot of the skills that they displayed this week, minus some of the amazing halt combos um, should be fairly transferable to future weeks. Um, so like, like their, their, their may play their walls, their initiations with walls. Um, a lot of it hopefully should be able to transfer in. I do um, think for the future reaper play my, my, my actual biggest grain of salt here is the fact that we are playing fate when Reinhardt is out. Yeah, which is a smart, well. which is a smart play because fate is the better, not Reinhardt. Um, right, but that also kind of shows a little bit of the limitations of our current Reinhardt player and his mindset. Um, I feel like Karyon is a little bit of our weak point, and we've mentioned that before yeah. that he has a hard time hitting his W key on the Reinhardt. I yes. feel like fate probably has a little bit of that issue as well and if 
if either one of them could just work up their Reinhardt, honestly, I feel like if Fate could work up his Reinhardt and work up his understanding of that hero to be different from some of the other tanks and play it a little differently the, the way that Reinhardt needs to be played, mm-hmm. I think Fate would turn Florida into a much more dangerous team just having a more solid main tank that's going to eat that space for you. Yes, because it felt like we, we were a lot more aggro, and Kuki talked about it in their little post-match Twitter video thingamabobber. Right. Um, like, one of the things we were focusing on this week is playing higher tempo, is playing more aggressive. And you definitely saw that. We were constantly taking initiation. We were controlling the tempo of the match. Um, and a lot of that was fate. Um, fate as well, like, with those halts, right? That takes some good good shot calling like it felt like we had good shot calling that hasn't quite been there like up until this point we felt like a team with a lot of good pieces that isn't quite gelling yeah this weekend was just boatloads of synergy it felt Um, really good so i i think fate would be the right choice especially with karyan in the past tends to be very defensive he likes to jump backwards with his shield a lot right um, he's afraid about getting out of position and accidentally going down, but sometimes you need to have that aggression and that confidence to overwhelm another team, right? To, to take a right to them face to their face and be like, I know I can beat you and then do that. Um, so I think fate, if he can play the Reinhardt proficiently should be the better choice. Like, Right. Fate was the Korean World Cup main tank. Like it's you you don't set yourself that apart from other players in South Korea without being an absolutely incredible player. Right? So right. I would love to see more fate, I think. Um we'll have to see next week if he stays in. We don't even know who we're playing next week yet. I assume we're gonna have a match because we had two weeks off just a couple weeks ago right um but we're we'll we'll have to see but that's where we're where we're really going to be tested right like okay we came out we beat paris can we do it again or are we going to be taken to map five by the toronto defiant (laughs) only time will tell honestly yeah but talking about getting taken to map fives dallas fuel come out of the gates looking pretty good this week again and take the shock to map five Yes. So Dallas confused me. <laughs> I still can't figure out what I think of this team. Um, their DPS players are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this week was just weird, man. Like they were running Genji a lot. Like a lot of Genji. And like it didn't feel like it was working, but they were winning. So, like, I don't really know what's happening. And, like, Note looked amazing, but also awful. <laughs> like Dallas has, I think the answer to this is Dallas has really settled into something that looks like Dallas. Honestly, if we look yes. back on the history of the Dallas Fuel and even into their time as Envious... They often play things that shouldn't have won. Yep. And they managed to win anyways, even when they weren't really looking their best. 
Um, yeah. Even when it looked like they were on the down and out, they were still coming out on top. And I think that's what's happening right now is they've sort of leaned into that characterization of themselves. And I think that's an mm-hmm. okay thing. Um, we yeah, saw I mean, Dallas... It's definitely better luck than what they were trying to do before, right? Right, which was just, let's look like everybody else but be better than them. But they just didn't succeed at that. And I don't think many teams will succeed at that. I think yeah. the more teams that sort of go, you know what, forget this. We have some team character here. Um, let's lean into it. The better we'll be. Mm-hmm. I think these hero pools whether you like them or not i think they're forcing teams to change their mindset into that and i think that is ultimately good for the league um yeah unfortunately as somebody who's against hero pools i think that probably means hero pools are here to stay also but i think if there was a way for us to just do this for a couple of seasons until that mindset locked in and then ditch the hero pools that would make me very happy personally. It'll be interesting to see because I mean, over it seems like the critics are always louder, right? Right. Um, but it does seem like there's a lot of criticism against hero pools, um, in the larger community and not a lot of support for it. So it'll be interesting to see if they do stick around. I'm kind of confused on them. I don't really know how I feel. I don't, I don't love the concept, but. I understand why it exists. Right. Um, and I and I and like I just said, I love what it's doing to our teams yeah, right now. But but seeing but seeing these interesting colors like Dallas Fuel running Genji, focusing a lot more on Tracer, like that's been interesting. Um, seeing the rise of Torbjorn <laughs> has been fascinating because now it's like not like Torbjorn is a staple part of any meta. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter who's banned. Like people have realized just Torbjorn's good for dealing with flankers, right? So it's 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 an alternate to McCree, or if you want to run McCree Torbjorn comps to counter Tracer Sombra or something like that, right? Like it's really hard to argue he, with a turret that will auto finding things. out these weird new things that we would never have really considered before. Um we the LA Valiant played Ash Torbjorn this week. Like, talk to anybody who knows anything worth their salt about Overwatch and professional Overwatch and ask them if you if Torbjorn Ash would ever be meta. And unless unless there was some kind of major rework to either character, people that uh, you know that's just a laughable concept. But LA Valiant nearly beat the LA Gladiators with it. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see more teams find their unique colors. Um, and it doesn't always work. You know, sometimes teams pull out unique strats and they just get dumpstered mm-hmm. by the meta, right? Yeah. But, but some teams, um, LA Valiant, Chengdu Hunters, as always, um, your your Dallas Fuel, these three teams, I think especially, are able to take these wacky comps and you just don't know what you're going to get from them from week to week. Like, yes, they might just get rolled one week, but the next week they might be able to hang with the best. Right. So it, it, it does make for a much more exciting league. Like, it feels like there's a lot more parity. Um, it takes a little bit of a way of those epic juggernaut matches, like your Vancouver Titans, San Francisco, 
San Francisco shock matchups of last season, right? Right. Um, it does feel like we're kind of lacking those um, big hype matchups. Um, and a lot of that is probably due to just COVID, regional things, lack of stage playoffs. There's, there's other factors um, affecting sure. the lack of those sorts of matches too. Sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it does, it does seem like it makes matches more interesting in general because you want to see what the new meta is going to be. And then it does feel like there's a lot more upset potential any given week. Yeah, it's tough. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to find. Um, I, um, I'm with you on missing those juggernaut matches. I think seeing the best, the obvious, no doubt about it. These people are the best in the league right okay. now. Pit against the, be pitted against each other in these epic five seven mat humongous games was just amazing and mm-hmm. i that's that's kind of impossible right now um just because yeah. you don't know how the meta is going to affect the teams week to week um hopefully we wind up with playoffs on land and we wind up getting enough playoff time to develop that um, yes. would be really Hero nice. Pools will be gone for playoffs too. So right. So that hopefully we at least get like a couple like Atlanta Rain versus San Francisco Shock level hype matches. New York versus Vancouver, right? Even if maybe the grand finals continues its Overwatch League curse. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I think but I think the way they're doing it is probably the best way to get a little bit of both worlds in there. But I still. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still, I'm just going to land on this again. I just, I like what's happening because of the hero pools. I just don't like the hero pools. So I hope that yeah. they can be a temporary thing that causes teams to go, oh yeah, if we think outside the box a little bit, we'll probably wind up doing better um, mm-hmm. in the long haul. And I think that would be really, really great. Create some much better underdog storylines as well for the league, I think, for those kinds of things going on, especially in something where there's consistent metas, these teams that are consistently doing well. And then a team can come up mm-hmm. from behind and go, "Hey, we figured this some this weird thing out. Let's do this." Yeah, um, which we kind of saw a little bit last year when the Shanghai Dragons started dominating against Goats before yes. we pushed two 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 out. Three was very odd. <laughs> it was amazing, honestly, and really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we kind of touched on the battle for LA already. Let's yeah. move on to our Pacific teams. And there is one team in particular, Haller, that you yes. wanted to talk about. Yeah, so there definitely feels like there's a top dog in the Pacific East. It's not in the Overwatch League right now. Um, they're the only team that seems consistently dominant against their all of their competition in their region, and that's the Shanghai Dragons. The Shanghai Dragons are out just rocking and socking some people. Um, if you don't get to watch the Pacific matches, um, I'd actually highly recommend because of the Final Fantasy VII situation, I have not been watching full matches as much. But the Overwatch League YouTube posts like those act, act it's action highlights um, that are like fifteen minutes long. It's a really nice way to like experience a match while not taking up two hours. <laughs> Would recommend it. Um, they're very good. But if the Shanghai Dragons are just dominating. And if you watch, if you haven't been watching, 
they're pl not playing exactly who you'd expect. Like we were just mentioning their stage three rise, and you remember that they were able to beat teams like the San Francisco Shock because of their ridiculous play of, of DM and Ding, right? And they had Youngjin back then as well. But really it was like DM and Ding just dominating everybody, right? Um, they don't even play DM and Ding anymore. Which is bonkers. Like, they, they played Ding a little bit yesterday, but for the most part, they just play Lip and Fleta. And they just destroy people. Void just rocks everybody's world. EJ Gone is a ridiculous, ridiculous Lucio player. Um, and, and then, like, so they played Chengdu yesterday. So it was so, it was so bizarre this weekend of watching the Shanghai Dragons play because, or just the Pacific region in general. Because you start off, I think the first match of the day, I don't remember the order that the matches were in because I'm not sure if I watched them in order. Uh, but the first match I'm going to say was Guangzhou versus Chengdu, right? And it's just really weird. It's like Sombra, Sombra Tracer versus Sombra Fara a lot was like was the big matchup. The Sombra Tracer, surprisingly, coming from the Chengdu Hunters. Um, and it was like a lot of dive. Ameng was playing Winston for like the first time in his professional career. He just was like, all right, I'm playing Winston now and we're going to dominate the Guangzhou charge. And then the next match you watch, Shanghai Dragons are playing May Re It's like nothing but double shield May Reaper. It's Hangzhou versus Shanghai. And then the next day, Shanghai plays Chengdu, and they're like, all right, we're just going to play Farah the entire time <laughs> and beat you at your own game. Um, they played like basically their B squad, with, with the exception of Kaguri, right? They played, they played Fearless instead of Stand 1. They played Luffy instead of, of Izayaki. And yes, I did have to listen to a new set of casters say Luffy the entire time, Ugh. and it was dreadful. Um, <laughs> they, they played someone else who was weird, too. EJ Gong was in. Oh, they, they, Ding. Ding was in instead of um, <laughs> Lip, which is weird to say DM's your, DM's your, DM's your B, B, B squad. Team, right? Yeah. Like, like his Fara, was he the Fara? He was the Farah. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. He is, yeah. his Farah is an so, outstanding. So Jinmu, despite everything in that match, and the, and the Chengdu Hunters did get rolled pretty convincingly by the Shanghai Dragons, I think Jinmu still won the Farah matchup. <laughs> Jinmu was ridiculous. Like, ah, oh, I would highly recommend going back and just watching the Dorado match and watching Ding and DM, like, just juke it out with the Farah duels. There's one point where Jinmu is at like basically like point A where you like cap point A on Dorado, um, like right around those walls where kind of like the Widowmaker likes to chill on that bridge, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then DM or uh, sorry, Ding is across the map, um, by that little cubby hole building where there's the bank vault, yeah, and, and the back room with the mega health pack. Um, so they're, they're like on opposite sides of basically point B from each other. And Jinmu fires two rockets. Like, he's like, I know you're going to be here, and I know you're going to be here. And he's fired both rockets before even the first one hits, and he gets a two-tap on, on Ding and just oh, takes him no. out of the sky. It was just some of the filthiest far-up play, man. It man. Was, it was a treat. But 
All right, my love for Jinmu aside, Shanghai Dragons are looking like the only dominant team in the Overwatch League right now. Um, they're besides their first match against Chengdu, where they kind of got flustered. They're dominating their entire region. Um, they're hardly dropping maps, and they just—they just—they look like the San Francisco Shock of old. Like they have this ridiculously nutty roster that they could swap out um, players for at any time and still dominate just as hard. They—they um, they look like an absolute juggernaut, um, and and no one else is looking like that, right? Philadelphia Fusion got take got taken to map five twice two weeks ago um san francisco shock have dropped multiple games like i think they're at a 50 percent win rate right now um like this has not been a dominant season of overwatch for the most part like for anybody really. haven't had yeah outside maybe the new york excelsior who did get bodied the one time they actually played a good team um philadelphia fusion beat them pretty convincingly Right. Um, and then otherwise, Shanghai are like the only one. And the only other team that you could point to is maybe Seoul, because Seoul dominated the one week we got to see them play. But we've only seen them play one week. So fingers crossed, Seoul is quarant- done quarantining and ready to play. And we get a Shanghai Dragons-Seoul Dynasty match, because that's that's our one chance right now for that real juggernaut matchup that we were just talking about. Oh yeah. Seasons old. Cause if, if souls, if that wasn't just a blip of a meta and they are actually that good to make LA, both LA teams look like fools. I think the week after they had just both beat San Francisco shock. Boy. Yeah. We are in for a, treat we we probably need to dial back the little uh seasons of old this is only the third season ever of overwatch league <laughs> yeah esports esports move fast though uh not not if it does what we want it to do we talking about envious is practically prehistory at this point oh my gosh like we uh. have to pull out our stone tablets to even discuss <laughs> Back in the day, when when Widowmaker was was seen as an off-meta pick. Yeah. And then, remember when No Smite decided to counter them on the Junkrat main tank? Oh, I remember when Widowmaker was almost a throw, except for Watchpoint Gibraltar. <laughs> yeah, Taimu loved to play it on Dorado. Taimu? was, like, really famous Who's for Taimu? it. Who's Taimu? I don't know. I don't know. Some... some some streamer. Some streamer. Mm. Yeah, I think he does like ASMR or something. <laughs> He's playing Valorant like everybody else. Oops. Yeah. Um, speaking of things imploding, <laughs> the Vancouver Titans are freaking imploding, you guys. Yeah. Um What even is happening? happening? Let's see so- here. It looks like every member of the team that is a regular social media presence has removed all of their Vancouver Titans branding from their profiles. Literally the only player left is Johnny. Right. And um, they've all done, with the exception of Fissure and Rujehong, I believe. Rujehong, no, Fissure and Rujehong have both removed their stuff as well. And Rujehong has scrubbed his like entire Instagram. Like he deleted all his posts. Oh my gosh! Like, like K-pop star level breakdown. Oof. 
So, um, something is happening, and it's not something. good. And there's, like, multiple leaks coming out that are saying different things. Um, the general like, consensus, there's a general consensus, though. That it's, like, management. It's management disagreement with, yeah. the, it's a player's disagreement agreeing with the management. Not even necessarily bad management. Um, it's just that yeah. the players don't agree with what's happening in management. And th- this is a... Um, I don't, I, I don't know if that's true or not. That's the most consistent story that's come out. Right. And what's interesting is so there was there was the post of the like the Korean leaker who first like announced that Ru Hong and Jae Hong were going to um the Vancouver Titans, right? Right. Um the that same person posted a post saying that they're having difficulties, they're not um they feel like they're they're getting like very slow communication from their team, um, from their organization. They're kind of like sick of it. They had that bat, oh, in two week a couple weeks ago. They're playing from home. They don't feel like they're being managed and taken well care of, um, and and they're upset. And Brad, like self, like Brad, like Coach Brad, Seffy, right. he goes by now, um, head coach of Atlanta, commented on the post. Without oh. giving it any shadow of a doubt, just like commented his thoughts on the situation, like saying how like, you know, Atlanta's screaming from their apartments too, and they've done it all season, and it hasn't affected us, and it's like it's a weak excuse. Mm. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. It's weird to see an Overwatch League coach responding to some a rumor like it's true, which makes me inclined to believe it. Right. <laughs> right um but yeah like we don't technically know what's happening but unless this is some like giant troll like i wouldn't put it past a couple characters like fissure and hawksall to decide that they're just gonna troll the entire overwatch league especially when maybe hawksall just changed his twitter profile temporarily and then it blew up and they think it's funny that it blew up so they just decided to see how far they could take it sure um, at some point, I feel like your management would tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, we're getting a lot of bad press. Can we dial this back? <laughs> right, exactly. So it, it seems it seems like something's going on. And um... So the fact of the matter is, um, if the, there are no facts. <laughs> there are no facts. The second fact of the matter <laughs> is, if, if this is a giant troll, they, they're getting a tap on the shoulder right now, and they're not listening which is a terrible thing for you to be doing as a player. Like, it doesn't really matter how good you are. If you are a PR nightmare at all times, like even Fissure, he's not necessarily a PR nightmare. He is, uh, he's got a history of being frustrating, but not of bringing down the whole team's image, you know? Fissure generally elevates your team image, elevates your wins for a little while, then leaves, yep. your team is a little discombobulated when he leaves or gets removed, mm-hmm. whichever one. And then but your team image really doesn't suffer from it, right? Right. This is hurting their team image. And so they're For either sure. not caring about that at all, which is right. remarkably childish and very mm-hmm. unprofessional. And they're not gonna get picked back up if this is the kind of crap that they pull whenever this thing happens. Or 
they are having a humongous disagreement with their with their management because their management did something that they didn't like and they have refused to accept the fact that they're not in charge and don't have the same voice as their management does and that's also very childish <laughs> like there's not a way in which this comes out looking good for the players right now um unless the unless something comes out that management has done something horribly terrible which is right. really not very likely like even a this guy's really rough you know he's right. he's it, he's it a jerk off as seeming like more like like a hawksaw blow up specifically right, right? hawksaw was not played all of the two matches they lost and it felt very strange to not see hawksaw in especially in the projectile role, like you had Solman Su playing the May instead of Hawksaw, like where you'd usually expect his position to be. Right. So it was weird not seeing him in. And then Hawksaw was the first person to get rid of his Vancouver Titans stuff. So not sure if it's management, not sure if it's an inter-team thing, like Hawksaw and Fissure are butting heads, like just making up scenarios here. Right. But... But either way, this is a terrible way to handle it, and this does not look good for the players. Yeah, and, and Vancouver Titans need to say something, like, as an org sooner rather than later. Well... Because, like, it's not a good look for your org. It's, like, your fans are wondering what the heck is going on. Well, Vancouver Titans is going to try and handle this in-house first. If they can't handle it... Probably. If they can't get the, if they can't get the team to chill the crap out, they're gonna, what they're going to have to wind up doing is a whole, wholesale clean-out. And, uh, Which is a whole other thing, especially considering like we're we're in a global pandemic, right? One of the interesting things that we haven't really talked about, but is an interesting talking point, is you can't really make midseason pickups right now because you can't get them to you, right? Which is a so, struggle. <laughs> so a lot of those teams that we're banking on midseason pickups can't do that. If you lose your entire team, what do you do? Just sign the like sign whatever over um contenders team that happens to have um players that are all over eighteen that can fill in your gaps and just sign all of them at once and just last the season out just so you have something going on. Uh yeah. Um, it's not a good situation at all. And yeah. and you know, if it, it it unless it comes out that the management has done something really terrible, the players are the ones in the wrong here. Mm -hmm. Um and it could come out that Although, the management has done I mean, something really terrible. we've seen players being the wrong before, and then they join a fourth team. So, <laughs> um, I think it'll affect some of their careers. Like, you're less skilled. Like, like you're Soman Sue's of the world. Like, Soman Sue feels replaceable, right? Um, I'm trying to think of who else. A lot of the other players are really, really, really excellent. Stitch, maybe. Um, these players, but, like, Players like Hawksaw, who are like clearly one of, if not in the argument for best player in the world, even if they throw these fits and it's not going to be a good look for them and they're going to not get as many opportunities, I think they're still going to get opportunities. They, they may, but if this is the kind of fit that they throw that brings bad press to their organization, yeah. they're not going to get very many. Mm -hmm. If Fisher brought this kind of bad press to the organizations, it would be a different story. He wouldn't be in the. He wouldn't be on his fourth team, but he really didn't bring bad press to his orgs. He just brought bad he, press to himself. Yeah, I mean, he kind of did to Gladiators um, <sighs> when he decided to to not play in the playoffs. Kind of. I mean, that's that's a similar situation. Yeah. Ish. 
Well, I mean, and even that has different, has at least some people saying, oh, Fisher decided he wasn't going to play, and others that apparently their coach or management or somebody came out not too long, terribly long afterwards and said, nope, that was our decision as a team to bench him. You know, like, yeah, yes. there's a, there's some face saving that happened there and, re- and it really could go. Yeah, there is face saving <laughs> yep. happened there from somebody. I'm not sure which side that face saving was going on for, but it happened. Yep. And, and, and it really was a situation that could go either way. And so I don't feel like he brought as much bad press to his organization as, oh, the entire team is revolting against the management. Like, right. You don't revolt against your management. They're, you signed a contract and they're the boss. That's what happens when you sign a contract. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do we miss anything important? Um, gosh, there's so much that happened. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, um check standings. Uh, they're at this point, standings are really the only thing that matter. Right. Um, power rankings are fun. Power rankings are cool. Power rankings yeah. are also impossible right now because our oh, they're so hard because our regions Dallas are so Fuel, terribly divided. Like, are breaking my world. Dallas Field, Chengdu Hunters, Paris. I hate all of you. What do you do? Just be consistent. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be allowed to play the same heroes every week, but be consistent. Um, good idea. <laughs> um, but just with the with the regions so intensely divided. Like, they're not even just kind of divided, and they're going to have a little bit of interaction. They're going to have no interaction going forward, basically, yeah. at this we, point. We've already broken. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this on podcast yet. You, I think you did. But I know I tweeted it. Oh, we've, that may be what it was. We've broken the rule of, like, of how the, how the season schedule is supposed to work. You're only supposed to play two teams in your conference, and then, or play two games against teams in your conference, and then one game against teams out of your conference. Right. We have broken that. We have played more than three games or more against teams in the same conference. So, the the season's dead. It's very likely, well, not like dead, dead. It's not dead. <laughs> you know, but like that that goal of the season is dead. There's a very good chance that when the season wraps up and the final standings are done, we will have teams that have not played other teams. Right, which makes the power rankings really, really impossible and irrelevant at this point. The only thing I mean, that matters that, is the standings. That doesn't happen in, in act in like flesh sports and people do power rankings anyway that's the fun of power rankings they don't mean anything in the first place well right but i mean in east in here we our power rankings usually help give us some concept as to who's going to actually win games Um, but at this point our power rankings can't even do that our hero pools are making that harder our Mm -hmm. division of regions is making that really difficult and the lack of interaction between divisions or between regions is it's you basically need two sets of power rankings right now if you want to have them just because they're not going to touch they're not going to bump into each other so it almost feels like more like um like your your kind of football scenario where 
teams from different conferences don't face each other until the playoffs or even until the Super Bowl a lot of times. Yeah, it's still Um, the Super Bowl. (laughs) That's how that works. Well, sometimes, sometimes, no, I guess you never play outside Mm. your division. You'll play out, you'll play, well, you'll play outside your division. You won't play outside your conference. conference, Right. Right. Yeah. Which. So, yep. It kind of feels like that, except we're gonna. It, it won't happen until playoffs. I'm gonna maybe because we don't even know how playoffs are gonna work given the situation. Right. But so, anyway, what was your point on standings? The point. The I point was if you if you just want to follow things and you just sort of want to know how good teams are doing, you really can't. So just look at the standings. The scoreboard yeah. is your only hope right now. And um, you can see like the best teams. Like if you if you look in the standings, there's very few teams that have a lot of green dif- point differential and it's like very clear like hey these are your good teams philadelphia fusion shanghai dragons new york excelsior atlanta rain these teams have a lot of greens right and then who are your bad teams you have like washington justice and boston uprising right negative 13 negative 16 but the rest of the league is kind of up for grabs like even I would say shocks position like six through eighteen. It's anybody's ball game. Yeah, which and... I think that's something important, like to for Florida to focus on right now. Um, there's a like they're sitting at thirteenth, just outside play-ins. If you could focus on being the fifth best team in the Atlantic Division, play-ins are a super real opportunity for you. Yeah, like. At this point, you're probably not going to be better than Philly, New York, Atlanta. Like, that. that's probably not going to happen. But uh, I'm saying fifth, even the fourth. Like, London Spitfire are easy. They're at seventh right now because they haven't played in, like, eight <laughs> years. But Achievable. Like, the only two teams – oh, Paris is probably another team. But London, Paris, Toronto are the teams above the Florida Mayhem. And they just need to be able to be – two of those yeah that's doable that's doable <laughs> if not all three of them if, if we can keep the momentum we just had yeah so we only have a negative two map differential that's pretty good we're three and four for the season <laughs> that's we're really good for considering like how things were looking we have a real chance to if we can keep this up actually make play-ins which would be huge for the Florida Mayhem organization, which was their biggest claim to fame so far, has been, hey, we weren't the Shanghai Dragons in season one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But not not their claim to fame now. Nope. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, watching the standings, I think, is going to be just the way to do this and see how the standings mm-hmm. develop, really, rather than how the organizations and the teams are developing. It's going to be the big thing to look at. And so that's just a good thing to keep in mind. So that is that. That's that. Yeah. All right. Great. Good. Good. Good show, everybody. Way to go, You're production team. Check for next week's oh, schedule. Wait. It's just me. Not there. Your bed. Shout out to a Lurimore's bed. That's not my bed. Shout out to the bed a Lurimore stole and stashed in his library. <laughs> Yep, that's it. That's that's the way. <laughs> oh, man. So, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. 
Big shout out to Popped Off for all of their help and support. They are wonderful people who do still produce shows and content and stuff. So go check them out at poppedoff.com. Um, yeah, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our videos get posted on YouTube. So please come and watch us some more. Share us with your friends. Sharing us with your friends is the best way you can support us if you like what we're doing. Um, because we don't get paid from this, so the only way we know that people like what we're doing is that they just watch it. And that would that makes us feel good. We like to feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do that. That'd be, that'd be swell of you. Alright, so that's that. Oh yeah, check us out on socials, obviously. We're live on Facebook. We uh, have a Twitter. If you're up at 7 in the morning Eastern time on a on a Monday. If you're up at 7 in the morning Eastern you know time on a do. Monday, you probably use Facebook. So come check us out. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Okay, that's There's it now. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> there was. That's it now. Okay, so. Uh, I'm a Lure Morph. I'm Howler. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>